Mel and Dave on Territory FM. We're talking this morning about uh, people whose names match their occupation. When we heard about this guy, gastroenterologist, Pooty Peedy. Yeah, Pooty Peedy. Do you know someone with a name that suits their profession? Danielle Andrews actually just sent me a quick message via Facebook and said there's a doctor at the hospital called Dr. Death, pronounced Death. No way. Yes. Dr. Death, no thank you very much. Don't want to die today. Jeanette, how you doing? I'm good. I've got a funny name. Well, like, you know, a name that suits the um, job. Um, not me, but I had a school teacher, a music teacher, and his name was Mr. Horn. <laughs> Mr. Horn! <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, Jeanette! Tell us he played the trumpet. No, he actually taught drums. Oh. <laughs> He's a percussionist. Oh. <laughs> That's brilliant. Good on you, Jeanette. Thanks for the call, babe. No worries at all. Keep the good stuff up. Peter Shepherd sent in, I know a reverend God at school. Stop it. Jimmy Doyle said, a shearer called Sean Sheep. Stop it. I, I, I think that's a bit made up. I'm like, Sean the Sheep. I'm Sean. Well done. Clever. Kim Phillips. Now, where do you think Sue Ridge works at. <laughs> Barren water. She does indeed. Sewerage <laughs> is the treatment plant. And uh, Scott Broom says, I went to a crematorium to organise my nan's funeral the other week. The no. guy that worked there was called Bernie. No. Bernie. I call BS on that one. Do you? If you know someone with a name that perfectly suits their profession, get in touch with us. I used to uh, work in a hotel in Melbourne and our housekeeper was called Rose Grabavac. <laughs> Grabavac, brilliant, for a cleaner. <laughs> for a cleaner. Did, she was a housekeeper. Did you know a Mary Golds? You know those Mary Gold gloves? <laughs> <laughs> no. Right now is the name game. Mel Mel, I'm going to give you some names. I want you to guess their profession okay. All right, in ready. the style of gastroenterologist, Pooty Peedy. Andrew Drinkwater. All right, so either he is a soft drink tester or he works with, like, water purification. Yes, water researcher. Yes. Andrew Drinkwater, ting, ding <laughs> for you. What about Lieutenant Les McBurney? Oh, Lieutenant Les McBurney, firefighter. Yes, he Woo-hoo. is. You're doing well at this. How about Dr. P. Achu? <laughs> See, the kid in me wants to say he works on Pikachu, the Pokemon, yeah, yeah. but I would say uh, EMT, ear, nose, throat, EMT. Yes, absolutely. Um, this one's a great <laughs> one. It's not a profession, but there's a Scott Forrest. He's the male champion in this, and there's a Josephine Hedger. She's the female champ. And they ha- they're what champions they, of something. What did they win a trophy in? Scott Forrest and Josephine Hedger. That that um, that tree lopping thing, you know where they got to cut down trees real fast? Close. Tree climbing. Oh my goodness, and that's their names. What about Kashira? K-A-S-H-E-R-A. What does Kashira do? Kashira. Does she, uh, does she scan your groceries? She does indeed. <laughs> Kashira. And finally... Thomas Grieve and son. Thomas Grieve and son. When this re- can't be real. What do you reckon he does? Funeral director. Bang on the money. Oh, and they are real. Stop it. Problem is, that one's a bit of a dead-end job. <laughs> Mel and Dave on Territory FM. Joining us on the show right now, health and community psychologist, Dr Marnie Lishman. Why is swearing so damn good for us, Doc? Oh, well, it feels good. 
haven't you sworn before? And it's actually made you feel a lot better. No. It's actually a great stress release. So I think most of us, even when we're not a big swearer, know that it feels good in the moment. So then why did my ma stick a cake of soap in my mouth when I swore for the first time? <laughs> well, it's, we've been raised, haven't we? So I, I think all, all different cultures have swear words, but I think that the social niceties are very different, aren't they? So depending on how you were raised, I think in a lot of cases um, it's, it's deemed socially unacceptable, isn't it? Is, it? is that what it comes down to, just the fact that it provides that release and that relief well yeah so if you think about it like we're walking around through life and there's things that in our environment um whether it's people or just situations or whether it's a simple bang your little toe on your bed <laughs> when you're making it yeah. in the morning there's things in our environment that do psychologically um hurt us or physically hurt us and when that happens yeah, there's an emotion attached to it, so it arises inside of us. So to get back to a balanced state, you actually have to do something that gives you an outlet. So whether it's actually um, doing something physical or expressing the emotion, whether it's a verbally or by, say, something like crying or screaming, it actually releases and gets your body back to a balanced state, which is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So does swear. So basically, if you hurt yourself and you swear, it sort of takes the pain away for mm. a split second. Does it? Yeah. Does it release like endorphins in your brain or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a chemical release. So the the energy that's stored up or built up in that split second actually gets to release. So it gets you back to kind of an equilibrium state, which is when your body is functioning optimally. But yeah, like even swearing, like you said, it helps kind of release release pain and kind of give you like an endorphin or a kind of a, a bit of a hit but it, it, it almost acts as a bit of a and like a bit of an anesthetic so yeah, yeah. it's actually good for physical pain as well and then we use it often too when we're celebrating and when we're you know crying out in joy as well yeah exactly so it's yeah it's good emotions and bad emotions so it's actually a really good thing to do and i think um it also allows people the more people who swear it actually shows how authentic they are <laughs> so it's oh. actually really good um and there's lots of research that shows that the people that swear the most are often more honest which really makes sense doesn't it so it's not a sign of low intelligence <laughs> no there's also some other research that suggests that those people with um kind of a wider vocabulary also swear more because they have more words to say so it's actually a sign of intelligence so our mothers well, have been lying to us our whole lives <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess what the i guess to extend that even further what we need to be able to safely express our emotions uh, and enable us to swear but you've got to make sure that you're not uh, offending other people or there's not dire consequences as a result of that so you need the emotional intelligence to know when to swear and when to not swear and <laughs> that's that, a big thing the emotional oh intelligence. yes and because they are after all just words i think it's not necessarily the word it's how you say it yeah the connotation it is the, it. absolutely the connotation well yeah exactly because you don't want to be um saying some of uh you know dropping the f on the grandma do you and <laughs> knowing that it 
that it could, you know, like words can knock people over and you saying it in a particular way can make it either very threatening. Um, yeah, so you just got to really be careful of how you do it. So that's why I'm saying, yeah, make sure that you have the emotional intelligence to know that, yeah, the friends that you, that you hang around with, they're fine with that. Maybe your boss isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Dave and I are fine with it, but the Broadcast Standard Commission is not. No. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, you don't want the consequences. You don't want to be fired because you've said the wrong thing. So um, it's, it's about the balance and recognising what social situations are actually good good for you to do it and, and safe for other people. And then you're not going to go around offending people because that's not nice either and that's going to cause you more stress. Mel and Dave on Territory FM. We are talking this morning about uh, mould, and I'm assuming that's what's growing between your toes just quietly. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah you can... You... No, keep going. You Carry can let us on. know. Stop it. You can let us know your surefire mould cure via the Facebook page if you like. Lisa Marie Hatton's got one up there, Davey. Oh, yeah? What's she saying? Diluted white vinegar and clove oil. She also says don't use the air cons if you can avoid it. Wipe surfaces down as often as you can and pop a damp red in the cupboards, which are those ones you can grab from... Uh, Bunnings, I think that I've got ones that are called closet camels. They basically soak up all the moisture in the air and it collects it in these little beads in oh, the Oh, it's kitty bottom. litter. You could just use kitty litter. Essentially, it's kitty litter. And yeah. you can also use that for the bathroom. Oh. Hey, do you want good versus bad for mould? Go on. All right, mould, good for cheese, bad for breathing. <laughs> mould, good for medicine, bad for your bread. Mm. Mould, good for bacteria, bad for allergies, great for your garden, bad for your house. Good for anything green, bad for anything white. <laughs> It's mould. <laughs> we were discussing the best ways to get mould where no mould should be because a girlfriend of mine, Davey, came back from a five-week trip, went to get into her car, and it is just mould city Ugh. everywhere. See, she should have filled it with kitty litter. Well, that's, I mean, it's not a bad idea. And we've had some of our uh, fabulous TFM listeners jump onto our Facebook page and uh, tell us some of their hints and tips, Davey. There's yeah. some good ones. Louise Walton reckons to get rid of your mould, just use white vinegar and uh, tea tree and clove solution. So mix them all up in there together. Wipe down benches, couches, doors, etc. It's working for her. Good on uh, Lisa Hatton, she reckons diluted white vinegar and clove so oil. So clove and vinegar are two things that seem to keep popping up. Yep, yep. Wipe down your surfaces with that. Brooke Bentley says, metho. Metho? <laughs> David Thorpe's just put a, a gif of a dude with a flamethrower. <laughs> and uh, Bronnie Sloan reckons clove oil. What ah. a, I thought just bleach. I just, see, when I clean something, I don't go, like, I need a window cleaner or I need a silver cleaner or a wood cleaner. I just use bleach. Everything just gets covered in bleach. Covered in bleach. In fact, I have a, a house inspection today. You just I just splash. I, I bleached everything. The I just wall, bleached it. The walls used to be red. They're now white. Yeah. You just bleached. <laughs> the, the benches are no longer a nice olive green. They're <laughs> a faded, like, whitey colour. Everything is just bleach city. The blood doesn't glow when you put a <laughs> UV light on it. <laughs> Mel and Dave on Territory FM. Time for a bit of tech talk with Dante St. James. He's on the live with his travelling tech bundle. Morning. Good morning. And this always comes to mind when I get on the road. I'm in Alice Springs at the moment. And you always rock up to hotel rooms or to conference rooms or to other people's offices when you're trying to work from, you know, down the track or interstate. And there's always 
just something you go, oh, if only I'd put that in my bag, I'd be able to work. Yeah, like a one of those universal all-in-one plug adapters that you never have when you go overseas. It's it's those. I've got like tons of those, and they seem to sit in the bottom of my bag, no matter even if I'm in like you know um, Paris or Parap. I seem to have these things in the bottom of my bag, just sitting there. I go, what the heck is this in here for? But then I turn up to somewhere like Bali, where I go, where I usually go there. I go. Oh, that's why it's in here. That's why it's in here. And you've always got the wrong one. When you're in America, you got the one for the UK. When you're in Oz, you've got you, the one for America. Can you mob stop talking about travel? You're making me very sad. Paris, the UK, <laughs> America, blah, blah, blah. You're in Alice right now. How do you stay connected in Alice? Well, there's a couple of little quirks that come to Alice. Some, depending on the, the hotel you're staying in, sometimes there's no PowerPoint beside your bed. Now... This room that I'm in in Alice right now, it's fine. It's got like so many PowerPoints and so many switches. I could plug in every belonging that I own that's electronic and still have room to spare. But when I last traveled in Catherine to a particular hotel, I noticed that every single one of the PowerPoints was on the other side of the room. And it's a very large room. But beside the bed, there was a <laughs> clock radio that was hardwired into the wall. So there's nowhere to plug in things like your phone if you want to charge it overnight and you use it as a, as a, a as an alarm clock or if you're one of those people who needs to sleep with one of those CPAP machines, there's literally nowhere to plug it into. So the number one thing that I'm going to say that you need to take with you when you're travelling on the road as a, as a worker or even if you're just travelling um, for a bit of leisure, take an extension cord with you. Oh. You are going to need it at some point. It's a very long walk in your bedroom if you have to get, <laughs> if you're complaining about getting from your bed to the PowerPoint, like getting an Uber for that one. <laughs> I'm all about convenience, Davey. I'm all about the convenience. What about headphones? Do you uh, always take a pair of headphones with you on the go? Well, so many headphones need charging. I've got a set of Neuro headphones, which are amazing, but they do need to be charged because they're, they're a connected electronic headphone that hasn't got an actual um, uh, a cord going to it. That's one thing I need to take. But what I do, because if I'm on a long flight and they run out and I want to land, I still need to listen to music or to make phone calls. I always take a set of wired headphones with me as well. So I've got at oh, least clever. a backup yeah. until I get the thing I need. So then you've got, like, they take up no room in your luggage at all. My big neurons, they're like a great big set of honking things you, that you wear in the Territory Fan studio. They're big. <laughs> they're <laughs> we, we just put them on so people don't interrupt us. <laughs> Listening to music, mate, don't talk to me. <laughs> Dante, what about a mobile internet? Is there a thing that you can carry in your pocket that means you can get Facebook anywhere? Yeah, pretty much. There's a lot of um, what they call, uh, like, we call them like wireless dongles. So they're something you'll plug into your laptop or plug into somewhere and, and they create a little Wi-Fi hotspot for you. That said, these days, most mobile plans that are available come with, you know, I know that Belong Internet, Belong Mobile has like 40 gig at the moment. You get $40 a month, which you know, is most, enough for most people who are travelling. But I know that my Vodafone account's got 200 gig a month on it. My Telstra one's got another 100 gig on it. There's plenty of gigs to go around. And all you need to do is just enable the wireless hotspot on your mobile, and that generally can make it happen for you. But do be aware, not every carrier is available equally around every part of the I territory. Was, I was about to ask that when you said Vodafone. See, Vodafone is fantastic in Alice Springs. It works really, really well in Catherine and works particularly well around Darwin. But the minute you go to Tennant Creek, Norman Boy, the only things that are available to you are usually Telstra. And I think maybe Optus might be available in Tennant Creek. But there's big chunks of the territory where there's either no reception or you've only got Telstra reception. Mm. And that's where you've got to go, well, 
even though Vodafone's my primary carrier, I've got to have a, a, a Telstra phone with me anyway, just in case. All right. about the backup. So if you're going to buy one of these mobile hotspot devices... Dongly. Just, yeah, dongly things. <laughs> are you going to go the 4G or do you get the 5G one knowing that there's no real 5G network available? They're no better than the, the 4G ones. And if you're travelling within the territory, there's no 5G here anyway. Right. So we've got like, probably a good two years before we see any sort of rise, widespread adoption of that. And by the widespread, I'm going to say it's just going to be in Darwin, Palmerston and Alice Springs. You're not going to see it come into like most other areas. Just like you, know, you go to the Kakadu and still mainly 3G where you're going to find it, not even 4G. The mo more remote areas are going to be very, very slow to get any 5G because there's just simply no real advantage to it in those areas because the kind of content you're, uh, you're getting through there is actually not that great. And just a quick fast fact for you, even though Australia is known as having some of the slowest internet in the developed world, I think we're at number 87 in the world index of speed. Wow. We're actually number four when it comes to speed through mobile internet. Okay. Ah, so a dongle's so not always the way to go. Well, a dongle's really good if you've got really bad NBN connection at home that you find that you're not getting anywhere. And it's good backup too when the kids have taken up everything while they're playing Overwatch yes. or Fortnite or whatever it is. Whatever they used to play in these days. Um, <laughs> they're playing that and you need to get some work done. Whack in your wireless dongle or hotspot from your mobile phone kids. and you'll be able to work around that. So keep your dongle, get rid of the kids. Gotcha. Yeah. Looking for Tech Talk with Dante St. James. Always a pleasure, buddy. See you next week.